Welcome to this episode of War Cry Podcast. We are an all-Native-run podcast discussing data, events, stories, issues, and historical connections about Northwest missing and murdered Natives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. My name is Emily Washings, and co-hosts today are Patsy Whitefoot, Robin Kibishi, and Lucy Smartlowit. Announcements. My case study is published, War Cry, Will Crossing Historical Boundaries Help Yakima Women? Find that on Evergreen's Native Case Studies. This is an open source publication, meaning it's free to access. Another announcement that we have coming in from KIMA Action News. Last week, FBI stated that two sets of remains were found along Yakima County Highway. On Thursday, August 13th, one set of skeletal remains ID'd as missing man, and the manner of the death is homicide. The Yakima County Coroner's Office confirmed that that person was 26-year-old Josiah Michael Hildebrand. The identity is not confirmed on the other person yet. Josiah was traveling with 48-year-old John Cleary in June 2019. They were from California and they were going to a concert in the Gorge, Washington. Again, see KIMA for the full report. Um, and the third thing is about our uh, Atwai relative social justice has also been a topic of a, that we discussed here on War Cry. And on that topic of social justice, according to Paul Shelton, federal public defender on August 11th, federal treaty fishing case of a Yakima fisher, Atwai S. Sampson. He had a vacated conviction and it was dismissed. He was 71 years old and passed away from coronavirus along with his wife. This means that he is not a felon. This also means that he fought for treaty rights with his last breath and won. Thank you so much. Today's guest is a very close to me and my family, so I'm really grateful for her being here today and talking about her brother. Her name is Elfrida, and uh, I've known her for many, many years since I was a young lady, since I was a little kid, actually. And I remember seeing her brother around as well, and that's who we're going to be talking about today, her brother Tony, or Anthony Peters. But Elfrida, she was in the Yakima Herald. She had been in a story trying to bring awareness about her brother being missing as well as I know that she was a big advocate and she worked for the environmental restoration waste management program and she did a lot about asthma and air quality uh, and I know that she's been doing some other side gigs she's been doing some side jobs like for the census and things like that but I just want to welcome Alfreda here today I don't know Alfreda did you have anything you wanted to add about your introduction? I think you pretty much well covered it. Um, this give you just a small background of myself. I was born in Celilo. From my generation, I'm pretty sure that there's probably a few more that was born there, uh, right there at the, at the site. And I was pretty fortunate that I had, uh, um, I guess you'd say they were the women there, the midwives who were knowledgeable about premature births. And I'm always thankful for traditional knowledge that came about. And uh, to be able to be here, I guess we should say in this time. So a lot of times it sounds like I'm talking about the miracle of the birth. What I'm actually talking about is the is the thankfulness and gratefulness of the of our traditional knowledge and our traditional people who not only brought just myself but probably many others around that time but my brother uh, he was born about five years after me um, my parents had traveled around uh, during during my young years before prior to tony and he when he arrived, he was, uh, I guess for me, it was a complete surprise because I don't really remember anything about the talk of mom being pregnant. I think because it, we had moved back home 
from California. And it wasn't until way later that I found out that I was gonna have a sibling. So here's the current status of Anthony Peters, um, who's also known as Tony. His classification is still missing. Um, and he's actually been missing since October 1st of 2014. Last known whereabouts is Toppenish, Washington. Tony is a male and identified as Native American. He would be 62 right now and his date of birth is March 20th, 1958. Um, at the time that he went missing, he was 56 years old. He was 5'6 and unknown weight. Some distinguishing characteristics are that he's Native American male, black hair, brown eyes. His nickname is Tony, and he may use the name Anthony Colfax Peters, and he has an overlapped front tooth and one front tooth is missing. March 20th, 1958 was Tony's date of birth. In 1996, Alfreda and Tony's father died and in 2006, their mother died. In 2006, Tony also lived with his sister Sylvia, and in June 2014, which was our Treaty Day Parade, Alfreda last saw Tony. In August 2014, last time, sister Sylvia talked to Tony when he lived with her and was planning to move out and said he was going to stay at their uncle's house. On October 1st, 2014, he was last seen at Legends Casino Hotel, which was under construction at that time. In 2015, flyers were posted on Facebook. And then in August of 2019 is when we first had our Yakima Herald Republic article published. So currently there's very little published or available information about Anthony Tony Peters online. And most of what we could gather was actually from the Yakima Herald Republic's article from 2019 and community made posters that circulate on Facebook and Instagram. Our Yakima Nation Treaty Day Parade in celebration of 2014, Tony was last seen by his sister, his mama, Alfreda Peters in the casino parking lot where the parade originates. At that time, she waved at him from across the street, not knowing that that would be the last time she saw him and he would later go missing. And again, at that time, he was 56. The Yakima Nation considers members are elders once they are 55 years old. At this time, they are eligible to receive an elder per capita in addition to the regularly distributed per capita. Alfredo knew Tony depended on this income as it was his main source of income as he supplemented his income with his artwork. Like many Yakimas and tribal police in the Northwest, Tony often migrated back and forth from the Seattle area, staying with friends and family and sometimes being homeless. He was last seen by the police, according to several community member sightings who spoke to the family at Legends Casino in Topnish, Washington on the Yakima Indian Reservation sometime in October, 2014. There are no recent accounts of community members seeing him after this date. Tony's living situation during the time of his disappearance isn't clear. Some sources say he was off to stay with the family, uncle, or that he was homeless at that time, staying with friends or relatives. He didn't often go outside of the Northwest, nor did he stay away for too long without catching up with family and collecting his per capita. He was the type to always get in touch with family and check in at some point. His missing case remains open with the Accommodation Police Department, which is case number 15-00 132. Tony has no known scars or tattoos, but he has an overlapped front tooth and one front tooth is missing. So from here, I think we'll go to our first question uh, for you, Alfreda, which is we just want, can you tell us about your brother as a person? Okay. <clears throat> I think as the oldest sister, the older sister of the eight, eight of us is that, you know, it's really hard to to try to put the story you know put the story out there of him because this like I said before this is Tony's story uh, his narrative
Well, anyway, um, I asked my Herald Republic because I wanted um, the public to know and those that knew him um, a, a background of him. And the best way I could do that is if I could start at the beginning of the day he came into the world. Um, as I had said earlier, I didn't know I was going to have a sibling. I just don't really remember remember the any conversations about it. I just remember that um, uh, my grandparents. At this point, Alfreda's phone actually told her that it got too hot and it shut down. So we had to take a break so that we could let her phone cool off. We also want to note that Alfreda lives in a very remote part of the reservation and that sometimes signal would go in and out. Um, so we commend her for continuing with the interview, but please note that there were some technical difficulties. Okay. Okay. Well, I will try to speak faster, and I'll keep keep my emotions in check here. Oh, you're okay. I'm sorry. Do you see me? No, no, we don't. Uh, we can hear you, and it's okay too if we we just hear you. Whatever works. Okay. <clears throat> well, uh, what I had when I was think when I was thinking about it, I needed to figure out how to let the community know that uh, that Tony had, I guess you'd say, had value. And I, I just didn't want it, want it to be just another story, oh, you know, it's another, another person missing, or it's a, it's a native, or, or stuff like that. <clears throat> so I thought about his, his beginning, and that was when, like I said earlier, that we my grandmother and my grandparents loaded us, loaded us on the car, and they were saying, "Well, we're bringing, we're going to go pick up your mom and your new brother." Not going, new brother. I, I have a brother, <laughs> and it was it was something new, and I was with all my aunts and uncles, and being a tribal family. Well, Sometimes we're about the same age as our aunts and uncles, and they all had brothers and sisters. So for me, this was a new experience. I have someone that I could call my own, my own brother. But we loaded on the loaded on the maroon car, went down to Topnish, and they brought mom out from the hospital. And when we were leaving the hospital. That's when the song came on. Uh, he has the whole world in his hand. And it was the song, oh, I never really paid attention to the song before, but that's how I saw Tony. He was kind of greeted by that song that he had the whole world in his hand. And it had this whole little narrative. And I think it was sung both by a woman and a man at that time. Uh, Mom looked at me and says, this this is your brother. And I thought, mine. <laughs> my brother. Uh, so that was my, my, my encounter with his beginnings. But as we grew older, it was just us for a while. Uh, my other siblings didn't arrive for after, until afterwards. And when they were, when they did arrive, they were still too young. So it was just mostly Tony and I kind of being the, the kids that we needed to be at that time. One of the few things that I do remember is that one of my uncles, a little bit older than, way older than I, had said that uh, he was going to take Tony and he was going to keep him. And I thought, nah, you're not going to do that. I picked up Tony and he and his his poofy diaper. <laughs> it was not poofy, not puff, not poopy. <laughs> but uh, took him and took him off, off to the far end of the corner of the house, so my uncle couldn't get him. But that, uh, I knew he was teasing. But at the same time, I wanted to make sure it didn't happen. So 
but um, but as we grew older and then were chores became became uh, something that we had to do and we were just finished eating I think I might have been in I think I might have been about six or I don't know maybe eight years old and uh, mom mom was saying okay you have to clean up the table and gave me my little chores to do and Tony was following me around the table and when I finished wiping the table off and everything he was going no no you can't get me and he was running around the table and I was running after him and he was going na 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 and he was saying it with his mouth wide open and I hadn't cleared off the mashed potatoes off the table yet from from the pot I picked up a little small scoop in my fingers and I tossed it at him I'm surprised we didn't get in trouble for having well, I was having the food fight. Tossed a couple of potato, mashed potatoes at him. He would say, you missed. And then when he went around the corner and I was timing it when he was going to get to a certain point. And I got, a, got him right in the middle of his nap. <laughs> and he was uh, interrupted his nap. And so I only got half of it out. <laughs> <laughs> when he started, he's going, oh, no, you got me. <laughs> and I had to run and get him some water. And he, and so that ended our ended our um, food fight. And then, but as always, because uh, because it was our mess, our my mess, I was cleaning off just a couple of spots that didn't that didn't make it onto the table or on Tony. And uh, we finished cleaning that off. And. That was one of my first memories of us playing together. Or I should say that he was old enough to play. Again, involving chores. He was a lot older. I think he might have been about 10, maybe 12 years old. And again, this is all the chores were assigned to us. Mom and dad had us girls cleaning out the table, washing, putting dishes away after the meal. And then they had, uh, had the boys sweeping under the under the table making sure that that was well kept and putting the trash putting it in the trash and taking it out taking the garbage out and then they would have to sometimes they would have to mop of course as because they were younger they would protest and and that kind of became the norm where we would be doing this after after our meal then one time tony was saying Oh, I'm ready to do the chores. And he ran and grabbed a bucket and he put the mop in there. And I, and I was looking at him. I was watching. When was when has Tony ever been so happy to do chores? And I was watching him. He was walking up and well, the kitchen's not in the back room. He was walking with the mop <clears throat> mop bucket. And I'm going say, hey, wait there a moment. Let me see. And I pulled up the mop from inside the container. He had a Pepsi, Pepsi hidden in there. <laughs> and <laughs> I was going, oh, look at this, Mom. This is why Tony was really smiling to do chores. <laughs> uh, she says, you don't get a Pepsi until the chores are done, until I say so. But he was... <laughs> He was going, oh, I almost got away with it, too. <laughs> he would have been convincing if he stayed in the kitchen. <laughs> was uh, was but, your favorite uh, drink Pepsi when he was an adult? Yes, it was. It's, it's, it still was, still is. And But when we were younger, just like the, during that time, there was orange drink and uh, orange Nesbit, and I think there was a raspberry Nesbit. We would get that while the Pepsi would be safe for mom, but one of the few occasions we would get to have Pepsi. That was why I guess you'd say one of our little rewards, maybe at the end of the week, if we did all our chores, we'll get to have that. Other than that, it was Kool-Aid and, uh, Kool-Aid and water. But, uh, so Tony, like I said, Tony almost got away with it, run with the with the Pepsi one.
the other one was uh, one my sister had told me about a story with her. This is when Tony was maybe about, oh, I think maybe about 30, 35 years old. He wanted to ride into town and our sister, Vicky had come, come home for a while and he wanted to go ride around with her because he was just tired of being home. And he, she goes, okay, sure, come along. But her vehicle at that time, the door would get stuck and the windows, one window wouldn't roll down her window. They go into town and she says, Tony, this, my door won't open. I, she says, I usually have my sons open the door so I could get out the car. So he had to do that all day. So wherever they went, uh, she would stop. He would have to go all the way around the car and open the door. And then when, <clears throat> when she would need to get back onto the car, he would have to shut the door for her so it wouldn't close and be secure. And um, that was pretty much doing that all the time he was there. And I think they stayed, they were away from home for maybe about most of the afternoon. And then another lady that had come by and had seen Tony do that, they said, oh, your brother's such a gentleman. <laughs> Vicky was laughing because she knew <laughs> he had no choice but to open the door for her <laughs> that she stopped. And, and he, he was saying, uh, uh, sister, I'm hungry. <laughs> and again, because her window didn't come down, she pulled into McDonald's, but she backed up into McDonald's to the order, the back to order the wind to make the order. And Tony had to make the order. <laughs> and, um, and so she was backing all the way, even up towards the, where the order window was to pick up their stuff. And, and <laughs> they're facing the, they're facing the people <laughs> behind them. They could see them as the next customers. And it happened to be our cousins. They were just laughing away at him because the way they both had come in, they're looking at them, looking forward. It's Vicky Hannon here. She is. She's backing out around the corner. And when he gets to eat, but um, but when he gets home, he goes, "Mom, I don't think I want to ride around with Vicky anymore." <laughs> uh, but but that was uh, that was really funny because she says, "Yeah, my my sons were happy that uh, Uncle came along because that meant they didn't have to open the door and shut it for me, and they didn't have to." look out the window or try to go and get some stuff for us if I had to because they were that was their their chore so they were really happy that Tony came along I found that really hilarious he says yeah I had to get up all day open the door shut it and then we went to McDonald's I was so embarrassed because we backed around the corner and I'm looking at our cousins while 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 sisters making the order we're face to face to face, eyeball to eyeball across the windshield. <laughs> but I thought that was funny. I thought it was worth sharing. Thank you very much for sharing, Alfreda. I really, uh, it reminds me of Tony. It does, the mischievousness about him. On a more serious note, Alfreda, I would like to ask you to share about your experiences in searching for Tony, that process that you're, you went through and you're going through and continuing to go through. Please share with us about your search. Okay. Well, I started my search actually was mostly because I hadn't seen him in a few, oh, after a few, I guess you'd say a month or two or maybe even longer. Usually I'm always running into people saying, oh, I seen your brother here, or I seen your brother over there, or we had such a, we had such a good laugh when we were, when we were at the longhouse or at the, somewhere in Toppenish. And then, then it just got fewer and fewer people saying that they had seen him. What I would always call it uh, for 
for Tony was someone would always say, I seen, seen him. So I would always call it Tony sightings. So I, that's how I knew where he was and where he had been. Then the sightings became less and people were asking me, you know, how is, where is your brother? I haven't seen him for a while. And they just wanted to know where, where was their uh, uh, joking partner around. And then I thought, well, this, this is unlike him. There was less people asking questions that had turned into, we hadn't seen him in a while. So I thought I would check with my other siblings and sisters and our relatives. So have you seen him around? Do you guys know where he's at? They would say, you know, come to think about it. No, I haven't seen him. We haven't seen him around any, anywhere yet. He goes, so where is he? And I told him, well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. It wasn't until uh, after a certain while I thought this is kind of a pretty, this, this sounds pretty serious. So I decided to go ahead and file a report on Tony because his per capita checks were piling up at the, at the home here. And he hadn't, uh, hadn't come to pick them up or called about them or anything. You know, saying, can, can you bring my per capita here? Uh, and I thought, okay, well, maybe he is uh, living someplace else and is going to be asking for them. So I took him back into the enrollment office and told him, well, I don't have his current address, so I'm bringing these back to you. So if he asked for them, that uh, you guys would be able to mail it to him or reissue. And they took it, and his checks kept on coming, and I would take him back in again. And I told him, has he picked up his other? They said, we can't give you that information. Um, but one of the staff members uh, they came around the corner and just kind of shook, their, shook her head no, you know, and just kind of mouthed the words that they're still here. They're, and I thought, well, that's it for, for the month, where, whatever, he's, whatever he's doing. And I uh, thought, okay. And I, I talked to Sylvia about it, uh, our sister, and... And I told him, well, I haven't seen him for a while. She goes, do you know about him being someplace else? Uh, and I asked one of our cousins that live here that has, uh, that has family that's living over in Oregon, Warm Springs, Oregon. I asked her, do you know if uh, your brother or sisters have seen part of Tony over there? And they said, no, we haven't heard anything. And uh, I asked my um other sister that lives in Tacoma, if she had, if, if he was over there, and she was saying, well, one of our friends had seen him, one of the, from the war dancing days, powwow days, they had seen him, but um, they said that he got on the bus uh, to, to ride to Seattle, and then he stayed with us for a little while, and then he left again. And then he must have came back home because uh, one of our other extended relatives had said that he had come by to see them way ahead of time to give them their Christmas presents. And they said that was the last they had seen of him. And I was going, oh, I, I thought it was in November, but they were saying it was probably close to end of October is when they seen him. So that was my last known information about him and I asked my cousins to to go in and give their their account of when they have seen him but they're kind of kind of bashful about doing that and I I really wish that they would uh, or I wish that uh, some of these other people that had contact with him would say yeah this is our last known contact with him and this is what we remember because I don't have the whole story. I'm getting information secondhand through my sisters or through friends. And uh, it would be nice to have some kind of tracking so we could figure out where he was last. And maybe they have information about where he may have, may have been or maybe are. I'm not quite sure but how else to, to even word it. Thank you for sharing that. So that actually leads into my next question, or our next question is, what can people do to help in the Yakima community? 
it sounds like you're asking of your family members to provide their testimony as far as their last accounts and, and to give a time frame of when he was last seen. Is there anything else that you would like to ask of the community that you feel would be helpful in your search for your brother? I really would like it if the, there's three individuals that have spoke about about seeing him in October and he looked like he was pretty roughed up and um, but he was talking to them and so I was really hoping you know since these three individuals they all see him at separate times I think I thought it would be great if if, uh, if they would just go to the tribal police and say hey, you know, this is when we saw him, you know, we think he was with these individuals to the police or the investigators. And it would, it, it would bring at least a lot closer um, chances of him being just, you know, finding him. At least that's my hope. And, uh, but I would, I would really would want all three of them to be there be and I think that would be helpful for them because certain things and the other person may remember something else particular about the individual or particular about uh, Tony or they could just all kind of help each other remember uh, and I think those three individuals at least would be helpful I did ask two of them if they would go forward and, you know, let, let the tribal police know. This was another time that Alfreda's phone started to cut out. But at this time, she had said that she only knows information third hand. She hopes that those family and friends who are local and in the Seattle area who may have seen or heard from Tony to please go to the police. She also went on to say that people with information would only need to make a phone call and perhaps at most have a short interview over the phone. But I think that would be helpful. Uh, I know that at one time he was living in Topnish uh, with an individual, but I don't know the person's name. It would be nice to if someone would remember that because I never did ask him who he, where he was staying. I just, I was just happy that he had a place to stay. I know he had a car, but I don't know if it was in his name because he bought that with, with the Salazar money. So I don't know where that car is and I don't even know what make it, what make it was. The only thing I remember is that it's a dark, dark black color. And he was showing me from a distance, but he couldn't drive it because he didn't have license. He would drive it just very, sh he drove it for a short time, but um, that was it to be, because he would get stopped for having no operator's uh, license. That's the only thing I really do know about uh, those last few days that I, that I could recall. Again, I think if, if the other individuals would um, just come forward and say, you know, hey, we've seen him, this is what we know, and here's how we could help, or we think we could help, that would be good. And I think that would be good for all of the other in individuals that are missing too, not just my brother, because Tony's not the only one missing of the men, there are others, and maybe there's some way <clears throat> similar to McDaniel saying these three individuals, maybe there's a cluster of other people who had last seen someone else's loved one. Maybe those three or four or five would have something of, the, of these other missing men or boys. I think that would be great, you know, a group, a group of information is better than better than just one. I don't, I don't know how, how that would work out. I don't know if that was even workable with the, with the, with the tribal police or the investigators or, or however that goes. 
you shared so much about the memories about your brother and you know him being missing and out there and hoping to really jog the memories of, of people to share their experiences and their memories with him as well um, in this search for him. I really saw something in your eyes that lights up when you talk about him. And I just wonder if you have another memory to share with us. I think we saw a good amount of people actually sharing his flyer on social media. Uh, your sister Sylvia is one person that we saw uh, sharing, saying, somebody knows something, please come forward. Um, but I really just want to take this time and see if you might share another um, memory of your brother. Maybe uh, it'll help jog other people's memories of his, um, I, what did, how did Patsy say it? He had a, a mischievous way or he had a fun, fun living way to express things. Yeah. And, and even Patsy, if you have a memory about that specifically, you know, I would want to hear it. Oh, there is, um, but um, I guess I would just add one more thing to the uh, the flyer that Sylvia had posted is that uh, when I took the pictures into the tribal police, they had they had printed it in black and white, but they kept on reprinting it in black and white where it became really um, what is it called? I guess you'd say like dot matrix all over the place, and it wasn't uh, clear, so I redid the poster them and that's the one I gave to Sylvia I told Sylvia I know you're I know that there's a lot of people that read your posting could you post this on on your Facebook page for for me and um, maybe somebody out there will have some kind of response and so she did that then so we had I updated the flyer with what the pictures that I had uh, found of that of, of, of Anthony I'll be giving Robin some later so she could post them when I get to say through his childhood. We don't have too many pictures of Tony in, anymore because when uh, he was here, he passed up a lot of our photo albums, but I didn't realize that he left them outside because he had plans to come pick them back up, his suitcases back up. And all of those uh, photo albums, because, because they were outside, became not only warped, but they were also drenched from the rain that we had for about three or four months. So those photos were ruined. So I just, from the few photos that I do have, that's what I have left of Anthony and the negatives that mom has. And I just need to go look through their stuff, see if they have anything of, of uh, Tony and I guess you'd say rest of us when we were younger. I think I'll go ahead and just kind of stop right here for now and just let Patsy speak on what what, what she remembers of uh, Anthony. Oh my gosh, you're just making me Floor's laugh. yours, Patsy. <laughs> I said, oh my gosh, you're just making me laugh now. I was just listening to your stories and just thinking every about every time we would run into one another, he always had a joke for me. And so it's always a smiling face. And so as I think about your story, but I also think about, you know, my own sister's story, who's been missing as well. Um, you can't help but have those beautiful stories that you've shared. And, and I always remember Tony as being a very loving person. Um, and yet at the same time, very um, um, a mischievous person as well. And um, I think for all of us, uh, you know, people who are my age are recall those stories and has been uh, a beautiful part of our lives. And so I really just want to thank you for sharing those stories. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, um, you know, what would it mean for you if um, you knew what the status was of Tony? What would that mean to you and your family if you know what happened to him? Because I think about that as well. What would that mean to you? I, I think for us that we would, it would be happy. We would be happy at the same time and we'd be glad to know that he is, that he is well and He's happy wherever he's at. Harold probably had his in the right direction where he could get help. I don't know, maybe about one or two years before he went missing, I said, 
you know I will help you to get the, to get the help. Let's get you over there and uh, and I told him, we will still be here. I told him uh, we're not going anywhere. So but but you need that uh, because you've been ill a long time with this with this mental 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 health illness and. I don't think you want to be this way. I don't think you always want to have this feeling of uh, of uh, anger sometimes that you'd go into or the feeling of uh, loneliness that you're feeling or this uh, depression that you feel. That you feel. Tony was, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure, the, uh, sure he was, uh, uh, diagnosed bipolar, but I don't know that for sure. But I'm just guessing because that's how his, uh, that's how he was. His emotions would go up and down. He would have those episodes that could going to happen. And uh, when they did, they we would go on the roller coaster ride with him as it as one of those commercials showed. And it did, I was. It's really happy to see that commercial happy in one moment and then the next moment he would be extremely depressed or else he would be kind of angry for, for whatever reasons and it would alienate him from the baby. We did not have that. I often think about that on Tony because um, in my own theory, I think that he had become this way because when he was a child, he stood up in the high chair and he fell kind of face down this way. And I think he hit his frontal part. So I always think that he might have had a permanent injury, but I don't know that because I'm not a professional on those, on on the, that kind of um, problems, but that that's my thought. And... But I explained to him, I think you can get the help you need. We will still be here, and you've been sick a long time. And uh, I don't just think when you come back, you'll, be, you'll have all of this new feelings of calmness, of happiness, of doing, wanting to do the things that you want to do. I, I, because Tony was from... Uh, uh, from what I could see of him as an older sister, he was very artistic. He could draw. He took some art lessons that was provided through the JOM program uh, when he was in the elementary school. From He took it from Larry George and Leroy Colfax that they provided. And that those, I think it was, I think they had contracted with both of them for about three or four years, but Larry wanted to... Um, keep one of Tony's pictures to sell and uh, Tony says no I'm going to take this home and you know give it share it with family give it to mom and dad we had that picture for a while I don't know what became of it but um, he could have done really well in that well that was one of his one of his um, artistic flares but he is also good at putting together beadwork doing some loom work and doing other stuff but he also had, he was curious. He was also a good chef. Uh, after our dad had passed away, our mom was really restless. So she would go over to Seattle with my younger brother, stay there for about three weeks and then come home to, um, to pay some bills and then she'd leave again. And during that time, Tony, was, I think he must've been watching the cooking channel because he started he started cooking a whole bunch of stuff. And I thought, oh, I better go check on him up there. And I walked in, I just saw a whole bunch of pots and pans and meals all over the place, you know, from day before, day before, and day before. And I thought, oh my gosh, mom's going to be coming home. And Tony wasn't there. And I thought, I need to start cleaning this up. So I started cleaning up. And I was going, whoa, you know, what dish is this? What dish is this one? You know, what recipe? And I just saw it all over the place. So I started cleaning up because... The recipes, of course, are made for more than one person, and there was a, this a lot of <laughs> a lot of dishes all over the place with just him eating it. He, uh, <clears throat> I guess, he didn't think about asking asking uh, his nana and uh, and my and my companion to come up there to share the meal with him. 
<laughs> but it was funny. <laughs> funny and not funny because I was cleaning it up <laughs> before she came home. <laughs> and when mom arrived home, he goes, mom, I didn't do that mess. It, it, it was one of my other sisters. They did it. She goes, I already know. He goes, oh. Again, he had a burst of artistic, but he did make a good roast turkey. I mean, roast chicken. I loved it. It was almost like rotisserie without without the rotisserie um, bar thing. So he did a good job on that. Like I said, he had a good artistic flair. He tried to be a dog groomer. He asked dad if he would take him up there to Goldendale because the person wanted him up there. So he tried that for about maybe two months and they wanted to uh, upgrade him. And he says, I wasn't ready for it, but they told me to trim this trim this uh, dog that had a lot of fur into a certain style. And I tried to tell them that I, I didn't want to do it. I'll just continue washing them. And he gave the dog a, a sideways mohawk. <laughs> he said, fired. I'm back. <laughs> he says, I told you I didn't want to do this. <laughs> oh. I guess that dog was a modified Cindy Lauper. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that's funny. But uh, yeah, he had an adventure. As a person, that's part, part of his activity. He, he could go any direction with his flair. He even uh, went to stay with some friends who was, seam, I guess you'd say professional seamstress. He came home. I know how to make a coat. He had, had some canvas, really fancy canvas, and he was cutting out a coat pattern. He said, oh, we, mom has a sewing machine locked up. So he ran out with the material, and he went to a friend's place to get it sewed up. So I don't know what the end result was, but I did see the beginning of it. Even though he, he tried his best at a lot of these things, he... Um, it just he just couldn't sit still long enough to keep 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 it up because because of because of because of his feelings. Alfreda is now remembering a time when her brother Tony and their mother were at a car wash. The car wash hose came loose, and this is what happened. The the hose wasn't connected, and it went. When they put the money, it starts spraying all over the place, and they end up running around. And he says, "We look like a." He says, "I look like a look like a clown running this way." And mom was trying to trying to run the other direction to to catch it too. And she and he said, "When I when I got it, and he says, mom was really mad at me because I hadn't held the check the hose to see if it was secured." And he says, "I looked at mom because <laughs> we were both soaking wet." Mom, I got wet too. <laughs> so they both came home to change. <laughs> oh, but thank you for letting me share those stories. Yeah, um, you know, I think about what Patsy and you have been going through in your search for your siblings, and it's such an intense process, um, a very, a process that I can only imagine you've largely spent you know, wondering. Um, and so, you know, for us to hear that and hopefully share that message, I hope that it uh, helps bring some more answers. It helps bring forward some more information. We're here in the community for you, Alfreda. If you ever need to reach out to us, um, we're, we're right here. Uh, I also want to uh, turn it to each of us, kind of going round robin, uh, pretending that we're at a local diner Let's go around the Zoom table and give our uh, final thoughts here. Okay, well, let's start with you. Hmm? Um, that was my final thoughts. <laughs> Not enough zing. Um, I, I just want to echo what you said. I hope that the people that have information or any little bits and pieces of information would come forward and hopefully shed light on different aspects of this case. Um, this is the request of our guest and sister, uh, Rita, uh, of Anthony today, and I wanna echo that. I just wanna say thank you again, Alfreda, for coming on. Um, I also wanna to speak to that 
everything Emily said is correct. If there's any time that we you want us to share the flyer, you want us to do anything on our page, we'll definitely do that. We'll be posting, um, of course, this story and this uh, podcast episode to our webpage. We have it to our Facebook and our Instagram, um, along with any photos that you have that you would like us to share. But also just to speak a little bit to, this is kind of the reality of how it is uh, on our reservation, we're in a very rural area, just speaking to some technical difficulties is sometimes that is also part of like our reach and our ability is um, like how well our phones do. And if, you know, we can, uh, some of us still have flip phones, you know, and it sometimes uh, also speaking to you, you working, Elfrida, I know that you're also finding ways to um, work to find more work and sometimes just trying to work every day can hinder your ability to reach out all the time and so I commend you definitely Alfreda I um, we're going to share the flyers that we have um, and any other information and again I just want to thank you so much for being on that really means a lot to me and just know that we're we're in this search with you and we'll we'll do what we can um, I also want to say thank you for sharing stories about your brother and memories of him. I feel like it really brought a different aspect to him um, as far as like making him a human and reminding our community that he's more than just a missing person poster at this time. I'm also wondering for myself if there are things in the community that perhaps we can do as active community members to actually assist with the tribal police department and kind of just throwing some, you know, random thoughts out there is like if we cannot be um, kind of like a segue between our community members and the police department where people can come to us and feel secure about what they're going to share with us without um, having to face, you know, or have a fear of repercussion. Because I know that sometimes that can help, or that can prevent our community from coming forward, or, you know, like worried about their own histories and whatnot, when really all we're just asking for is information about your brother's last whereabouts you know, in, in the last few times that they've actually seen him. I know that we lack a lot of resources in general, aside from access to internet, access to, um, you know, accessible transportation, you know, all of those things here that we face on the reservation. And so I'm kind of just thinking, how can we improve and help this process for other family members you know, that are also going through this and what could be most helpful moving forward. Um, but again, I think the most important element is, of course, what you shared about your brother and how it made me laugh. Um, I really appreciated the, the fact that, you know, even through what you shared with us um, was mischievous and enjoyable to get to know him as an individual. So thank you. I too want to just say thank you for sharing with us, Alfreda. I really appreciate your um, reminiscing with us. And of course, I I knew your brother uh, very well, and I went through those roller coasters with him as well. And um, and I also just want to highlight the fact that um, you know that he is a, a was a man, and that we also have other men folk who are missing as well as boys. And when I was reviewing uh, the article about, you know, Tony missing, it also cited some of the other men, you know, on our reservation who have been, been missing. And I've also known of the, the young boy uh, from Wapato who's been missing a long, long time. And when I travel these places, I think about these folks, um, you know, where, where are they? Where's this three-year-old boy, you know, when it was reported years ago, where is he? And, um, and we live in a very diverse community while we might be the Yakima reservation. And, you know, we like to, you know, think that this is 
our home, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it because of our diversity that exists here on our reservation. And so I just think that it's important for us to think about and what is that outreach beyond our tribal community, you know, other than through the newspaper and oftentimes that doesn't get talked about as well. So, and, and then just listening about the traveling that he did around the Northwest, it's that same kind of um, communication uh, that I think is important as well around the region because we know that our, our people are very independent uh, I always say that, you know, we might be uh, citizens of the Yakima tribe, but we're also very independent as well. You know, our families are very independent. And, and I like to think we got that from our ancestors. And so the role of your family, you know, their travels that they did, I think all of our families are like that. You know, we, we are very migratory and we travel around our regions. We have relatives and Warm Springs, we have relatives in Nespers, we have relatives that's all over this region. And so just highlighting that I think is, is important. And um, also I was just thinking about, you know, the need for support, uh, asking how can we also provide support and what about the systems and the programs that are out there that can provide support to our people as well. And so that's always a big question for me. Um, and so I just want to say thank you, Elfrida. I really appreciate your, you know, your willingness to come share with us. Thank you. I really want to thank you for inviting me to as all of us and knowing that uh, this individual isn't here as a family, as all natural is troubling. And I wasn't that way. But uh, that, that's just it. That, that's how it is for now. And I think about this, like I said at the very beginning, when I think about Tony's arrival, <clears throat> I think about this. Of course, it's a modern day song, all it modern enough, is a, a song that was sung by Beth Midler in one of the movies called, I think it's for the boys. She's in the army and she's singing it to a group of soldiers and it's called In My Life and it's a Beatles. But she does a real good job of it. And it says, in my life, at the very ending, you know, some, some of the people are here and some of the people are gone. But in all, I love you all. That tune keeps on going my head for um, a lot of our individuals that are have missing and some of them that are now being missed through the COVID that's happening. There are a lot of, a lot of tears from the COVID, but there are just a lot of I guess you'd say silent tears for the ones that are missing because you just don't know. What I guess I guess I what I would like to see for us as a community is maybe just start at the very beginning. We'll probably have a lot of maybe a lot of meetings just to kind of think of ideas of what can we do as a group. You know, what questions do we have that maybe that could help guide. Uh, the tribal police, the FBI, on the murdered and missing women and men here, not only on our reservation, but other reservations, you know, put a core group of questions together that might help guide them. It would be nice to get maybe a, uh, once every four months, some kind of update from somebody saying, you know, this is what we have so far. Uh, we, we haven't forgotten your loved ones. And at least it gives us something to, to I guess you'd say, hold on to, say, a reassurance that they are looking for these individuals, are trying to find, are trying to uh, prompt individuals from other, other places to remember our agencies are saying we had sent out notices here or this individual came forward, so we're going to interview that person. I wouldn't really need to know the name at the moment, and I don't think they would give it to me because it would be an ongoing investigation, but it would be nice to know. Uh, that's, that's my thought. But, um, thank you for giving me uh, you as a support group. It would be great if we could find some kind of maybe 
community uh, way to do this, uh, even if it's just, uh, like I said, I think the first meetings will probably be many, but then afterwards it'll probably drift to maybe once every six months and or something, but at least we'll have a feeling of progress. Thank you. This is Alfreda. Good. Good to see you, ladies. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Have a good day. We want to give a war cry to the siblings of Anthony Peters, including our guest today, Alfreda Peters. We also want to give a, a war cry to the mothers of our missing in the Northwest, including on the Yakima Nation Reservation. Uh, we did have confirmation of a non-native that was found and, you know, we want to give a war cry to Liz Halderbrand uh, on the confirmation of her son and hearing that news. Uh, we wanted to give credits. This episode is edited and produced by Robin Pibishi. Logo by John Only Schellenberger with Native Anthro. Sponsored by Native Women in Action. Shirts by Nicole Pibishi. And music by Lee Sekekwaptiwa. You can find us, uh, our episodes, anywhere podcasts are available, as well as on YouTube and other social media. We would like to dedicate this episode to Anthony Colfax Peters, known to his friends and family as Tony as he has been missing since 2014.